Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail, and this is going to be a very fascinating and interesting discussion. Um, albeit, I think at some point it might get a little bit complex uh, because we're going to be, you know, getting into some uh, financial matters um, with the largest company that is listed um, on uh, the JSC that is uh, NASPAS Group. Um, together with process and we're going to be talking uh, to their CFO that is Basil uh, Skurdos who is uh, you know their CFO as I said and we're going to be talking quite a bit um, around the company uh, they recently had a uh, capital markets day just outlining you know what they are going to be um, working on and uh, looking at for I guess the year to come and uh, you know I'll be since it is the largest company um, in South Africa there is usually a lot of interest around you know everything that's happening with them and we're going to be getting into you know all of those discussions basil greetings to you today hi hi Manua, and hi to your listeners and um, it's great to be talking to you all i think a good place for us to start um is uh, maybe understanding a little bit you know as the cfo of uh, both NASPERS and PROCESS, um, getting a sense of what does that actually mean and entail? Uh, because this is a mammoth uh, type of operation that you guys are running. Uh, so maybe you could give us a little bit of that insight, uh, you know, before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of today's discussion. Sure. We could take up the whole podcast with that. <laughs> the job is quite expansive, right? Because we operate in 80 countries. We operate in five segments. There's a lot of ground to cover. We're a public company, both in South Africa and, of course, on the AEX. So there's, and then the world's changing, right? There's lots of regulation. There's increased requirements around reporting. And then there's new facets to reporting, which include um, important areas of sustainability, right? And and so it's 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 a job where you're never feeling, well, what am I going to do today? Um, the second thing is it's a job where every day is different. And that's why I love it. And that's why um, I come to work every day with the same passion and energy as I did when I joined the group 25 years ago. Um, it's just, you learn something new every day, you're dealing with something new every day, and um, and you can make an impact, which is important. But um, I think the important elements for me start with having the right team, um, to support to support us in, in our journey forward. And I spend a lot of time on, on that because you can't cover something like this unless you've got a strong team. So um that's that's a big part of of my energy and focus to make sure we've got the right people in the right jobs and that they are engaged and motivated and um driven um as I am. And you can only do that by giving them meaningful work, right? And giving them good responsibility and letting them get on with it. And I have a, I have a superb team. I have a superb team. And then um, you've got to be plugged in and plugged into the context, whether it's the business context or the shareholder context. 
um, the market backdrop context, and you can't do that behind a Zoom screen or on video. Um, and I'm glad COVID is over because if it had gone much longer, um, I would have first gone mad. And, and, and then secondly, I would be quite concerned. So I spend a lot of my time on the road, as does our CEO, Bob, right? So pre-COVID, um, I was on the road 200 of the 360 days in the year. And then obviously there was some time off there and a couple of weekends in between. So it's it's a fair amount of time. And, and I'm glad to be able to be doing that again. And I'm doing it. And, and, and again, just getting in touch with everyone. And the Capital Markets Day was a very important platform for me to build on that, right? To have our, some of our big shareholders in the room and to be able to talk to them and present in some detail and depth what's going on in the business and to get their reactions and from there to continue to build the dialogue, right? So another important part, therefore, of the job is just getting out there and, and being in front of people and in front of businesses and um, being in countries where we have investments so that you actually get a true sense of what's what's going on. And then, um, yep. And then, of course, um, critical job for any financial director is make sure you do the fundamentals well, right? Your numbers are accurate that you're managing risks well that your governance is solid that your internal control environment is solid that you know where the cash is and it's safe and it's accountable um and and people don't talk enough about that and i think um and that's why we're seeing some some of these surprises come at us over the last couple of years and in our organization um it starts from the top with the board who give a very strong message and um, it's something that resonates well with me too. Um, so we spend a lot of time on that, but we also make sure that we have people in our team that understand its importance and its value. It really sounds like there's a lot that's going on uh, that you've just highlighted, uh, you know, for us, you know, from the stakeholder type of engagement, investors trying to be plugged in, understanding the, you know, various contexts of a company that operates in over 80 countries, uh, making sure that you understand what's going on there, uh, the traveling, the interfacing. There's a lot, uh, like you said. And on the last point that you raised, the finances, making sure that you have the basics in mind. And um, at least from the outside, you know, people always ask the profit question um, to the CFO. And uh, going through the capital markets day, that's one of the things that you, um, you know, had to deal with uh, because that has been, you know, a big question hanging over. Uh, the over the Naspers Group, um, you know, for a number of years now, because there are a lot of businesses in the portfolio at various stages of uh, maturity, various stages of uh, profitability. But you guys have sort of, uh, you know, put a stake in the ground uh, to say that the businesses will be that the e-commerce businesses will be profitable by uh, 2025. Maybe you could talk to us, um, you know, around what that actually means. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an issue that uh, I'm pretty sure you've been engaging with investors around, you know, for, you know, for the longest time. And everyone would want to understand, you know, what does it mean? And does it mean, 
you know a slowdown in terms of investing in the businesses does it uh does it mean you know you're stopping acquisitions and you just you know focusing on what's there like what does it mean maybe you could talk us through um that profitability by 2025 yes indeed and um we've put a lot of focus and energy in um working towards an ambition right that ensures we are profitable on a consolidated basis in our e-commerce portfolio by 2025. Now, what drives that fundamentally is market context, right? And it's shareholder feedback, right? So, so um, those, those are two important stakeholders who say, look, at a time like this, it's not the time to go and be taking lots more new opportunities, taking on lots more risk. And a time like this, it's this is the time to really um, be staying on top of your positions in the market, your right to play, you know, um, your opportunity to stay ahead and 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 deliver profitability. Um, so, I want to make a couple of points um, that I think are important for listeners to understand. Um, we we have a long history of investing and building businesses and then um crystallizing value and um it's in our dna and in our core to look for new opportunities to look for things that others aren't seeing and then to do the hard work of building them and bringing them to scale and bringing them to profitability and we did that when we transitioned from print to pay television and now we have multi-choice group who are an independent company great business and 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 growing well and standing on their own feet um and we also did that in the internet initially 10 cent wasn't um sorry 10 cent wasn't listed and they were focused on the messaging and chat business and um, in time, they built scale around games, and now they listed and very independent and sort of function, and um, and, and sorry, and create and they built a massive business, right? And that stands on its own. And now we share our views and thoughts, but we also learn a lot from them. So, and and e-commerce was the next thing, and in fact, we've already delivered one cycle, which is similar, where we took our early opportunities in classifieds, in payments, in e-tail, in food delivery. And we've scaled those well now. And at the core, all those businesses are profitable. And what's actually driving the losses that you've seen um, last year and in the first half of this year is investment in growth extensions around those opportunities. So as an example, in classifieds, Currently, what we do is we facilitate a buyer and a seller to find each other and then they transact offline, right? We're now moving increasingly in, into the transactional side of the business because that's what consumers and users want. And, and we can do so in a proper way. And we're doing that with autos and pay and ship. And, and so that, and in, in iFood, our food delivery business, which is now profitable at the core, we're going into extensions of convenience and 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 so forth. And then in our payment business, we're going into credit. And what we're saying to people now is 
no, we're not going to stop investing behind these businesses, right? But these businesses are achieving significant scale, right? Very, very large scale. Um, so um, if you look at um, the the revenue growth in, in, in the autos business, it's 80% plus. In the convenience business, in food delivery, it's 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 also growing significantly. Um it's 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 three X year on year, and credit's also scaling very fast. So what's happening now is these businesses are getting to scale, right? And um we our focus now is on making sure that that scale drives margin expansion and in turn starts to pay for the fixed cost, right? And and delivers profitability. So we we remain committed to investing behind these businesses, but because of the scale that they're achieving, and because times like this require to look carefully at your costs, at making sure you're prioritizing the best opportunities and you're not chasing edge case opportunities in these particular fields, you can then also um, accelerate the path to profitability. So it's about taking these growth extensions now and and getting them to do what our core e-commerce businesses have done, get them to profitability over the next two years or so. And and what's going to drive that is continued growth and then managing our fixed cost base and taking out costs that we can take out and, and running these businesses leaner, right? Because that's what you do at times like this. And then um, making sure that we, if things aren't working well, give up on them and say, well, okay, we've tried that, isn't working well, let's be clear-eyed about it and then focus on on, on, on the strongest opportunities on the table. Am I correct in uh, understanding the fact that uh, I think Amazon has always been the the textbook case when it comes to something like this, um, a business that had to grow and uh, millions and billions poured into it uh, for for a number of years before you know anyone could actually start seeing you know returns from it, um, and it's only maybe now. Uh, 20, 25, 26 years later that people would then look back and say, okay, fine, we understand what Jeff was trying to do. But, you know, during the time, um, it sort of didn't make sense that you had a business that was growing as much as it was, but that was not, you know, that was not in the black um, the way that people, you know, would have, uh, you know, would have expected. And the question that it does beg is, for a company like um, like Naspers, you guys sit in an interesting position. You know, twenty billion odd in ter- dollars, um, roughly. You know that you guys have at you know in terms of that war chest uh, that you could possibly put into businesses. But one of the things that you guys have said is that you want to hold on to cash at the moment. That cash is king um, at the moment. Um, and you've got these businesses that you guys are investing in, and it sort of, at least from the outside, it sort of feels as if um, the what you call this the the business finds itself at an interesting crossroads, because some people might sit and say this is probably the best time to just be pouring money into opportunities because valuations are as low as they are, but you guys have decided that you're gonna take a more you know prudent 
um, you know, approach um, to how you're allocating capital and how you want to achieve the scale and profitability, um, you know, in the businesses. Talk to us about that tension. Yes, and um, it's, so I think the first thing I would say is it's good to build new businesses and to have ideas. But at some point, those businesses need to get to profitability and cash generation because that's what underpins value, right? And um, in 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 a certain market context, you can take a bit more risk and be a bit more um, forward leaning on, on on some of the edge cases. And in other conditions where the cost of capital is very high and the cost of failure is high you need to be more disciplined right and now we're in we're in the latter we're in in at a time where no we must keep looking for opportunities we must keep investing but we need to be more disciplined and, and more focused around those things but ultimately if you take your amazon analogy right so they they've now built a highly profitable um, cloud services business, their core e-tail business is profitable, and they're looking out to other opportunities, right? They've got Amazon Prime, they, they, they're building other things. And that's what these platforms can do, right? That's why they call platforms. They can create these extensions of an investment they've already made to create new opportunities and, and deliver value to customers and users. But ultimately, those opportunities need to get to profit and, and, and generate cash. So this 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 trade-off for us between um investing and buying assets versus driving profitability, I don't think it's an either or. It's 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 I think at the core we've done both, right? And we need to keep doing both. But what you what you then do what you do from now, what you do at a time like this though, is you probably um go lighter on the risk. And you then um, focus and allocate capital to the to the opportunities you have most conviction behind. And then on M and A, you apply a similar lens. And yeah, we we've deployed recently one point five billion dollars to buy the rest of of iFood. Why? Because the price is 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 fair given the current market conditions, and we believe we can build significant value off that investment, right? So um, judging the market is very hard. Like, is this the best time to buy? Um, and therefore, let's all go and deploy capital. Well, the first thing is, if you look at the public markets, they're not saying that just yet, right? Um, they, they, they're still holding back. Um, but secondly, I don't think you should make investments on based off trying to judge the market oh well it's about to rebound right we take a long-term view a long-term perspective so the business case needs to make sense and for it to make sense um there's a couple of elements to that one is well what can you do from here to what discount rate should you be applying on that view driven by what's the cost of capital what's the risk profile and and both those metrics have gone up a lot, right? Interest rates are going up, betas are are going up, so WACs are going up, and then 
the risk is going up. Why is the risk going up? Because consumers are going to are already feeling the pressure, right? Um, their salaries aren't growing at the pace of inflation. Their their the money that they have to spend is going to be under some pressure for a while, and and therefore one needs to factor that in, into the thinking. So you therefore want to be allocating capital to things that you have most conviction around. And what are those things? Things that you're already doing rather than from a distance, oh, that looks cheap. Let's take, take a bet and hope that that goes well. So I think there will be more opportunities for us to, to deploy capital behind. Um, but um, they're going to be closer to home and in areas that we know well, um, but there's nothing imminent because there's still a lot of turmoil playing out in the market, and and one needs to understand what does inflation look like over long term, what does growth look like, and and we you need to do it country by country, market by market. So yes, uh, we do have lots of cash on the balance sheet. We are preserving the cash, not ultimately because we want to earn interest income but because we want to make that cash work for us. But um, at a time like this, you've got to um, place a higher bar on, on the return you require and, and, and the risk you're willing to take. But things will settle in time. Um, I think I, I know it feels difficult for, for people, and I'm sure your audience, each in their personal and individual capacity, are feeling the impact of the fuel cost, right? Our our electric bills, the fact that we don't have stable power supply, and and those things weigh heavy on people, um, and as they do on 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 many people. But things will settle in time. Inflation, people will will get on top of inflation, and 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 people will do what people do, and that's innovate and grow and build and be resilient. And um. Our plan is to be well positioned through the cycle and into that time. No, so, uh, most certainly the consumer is under considerable pressure uh, right now. Um, some of the people that we've spoken to on this platform, um, you know, do, have done you know some meticulous calculations to say that um, consumer pressure is so is so vast in South Africa that um, how tang is uh, predicted to be the favorite um, festive season destination this year because, you know, that normal draining out that's seen to other provinces um, doesn't, isn't as attractive in a high interest, high inflation, high fuel price, um, you know, type of uh, type of environment. And I'm sure that lends itself quite a bit, you know, to your businesses because, you know, since they're consumer facing you guys, your fortunes are literally tied um, to what the consumer is. But when it comes to the local market in South Africa, I just wanted to touch on it uh, briefly because you mentioned, um, what do you call this? You mentioned some of the extensions uh, that you have in the business. There's two that I want to that I want to touch on. The first one is credit, right? Um, you mentioned to say that you know credit is an extension that you guys um, have been investing in when it comes to the payment side um, of your group. From a balance sheet point of view, you know, as a, as a CFO, getting into credit or extending um, your what you call this your 
your uh, your lending book credit profile as a group and i'm sure most of it will be flowing through pay you is that a defensive move or is that a an offensive move you know from a balance sheet point of view yes so the first thing i'd say is this is not some internet cfo who thinks credit is easy <laughs> and therefore let's just do that as well right Credit is credit. It's a highly regulated business. The risk profile is completely different to anything else we do, right? Um, but it is an opportunity for us because we have lots of information and data that um, we don't have to go and spend time to collect and understand and score, right? So it's really just leveraging the data we have to help our customers and our business partners. So the sellers on the take a lot platform or the sellers on the EMAG platform or, or the small businesses who use pay you to collect payments from their customers, right. Um, to help them and to do so in a very efficient way, right. Because we now shift everything from offline to online. So those, that is the, op that's the opportunity that our businesses present. But we've got to be very, very mindful and thoughtful about how we build this, right? And to date, we're not deploying massive amount of capital to it, but we are we are um learning through the journey. And 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 you build these businesses very differently to how you build a food delivery business. You've got to go slow, open the funnel a little bit, test the risk model make sure that you've got the right governance structures, that there's the right risk structures, that you're challenging things and then you open a bit more and then you adjust your process. And, and so you go along the journey. And and PayU India is furthest along that journey. They've been building their business now for, um, for about four years already. And it's getting to some scale. It's getting to break even. Although you don't measure a credit business on break even, you make you measure a credit business on its ability to deliver a good ROE, return on equity. And to get to a good ROE, you can't build a credit business off of equity funding, right? You need to build it off of debt. And um for people to lend you money so that you can go and on lend it, you know, um, you've got to actually show that you've got. The right structure and the right model and we've done that in india and now um a fair chunk of our growth is being funded by by external lending we are still putting a bit of capital in and 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 we're scaling it so the credit business in, in pay you india is a fairly standalone business but it's built off the data that we have in in the core payment business and it, what it's doing is it's removing friction costs out which is like filling out 50 applications, submitting the same data that we already have and those type of things. But what it isn't doing is looking to, to disrupt how risk is scored or how risk is managed or how we collect. And that's why um, we have confidence in, in the team and what we're doing. And we're now trying this both in our autos business and in our food delivery businesses and in our e-tail businesses. But there again, we're much earlier in the journey. I think we need to go carefully and, and, and thoughtfully. And I think we need to partner as well. We need to partner with 
with banks and 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 other companies who who for them this is bread and butter right and 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 create um opportunities for um for them and ourselves right bringing our respective strengths in so it is it it seems like a very juicy opportunity but you can get yourself into trouble very very quickly right so it's something that we have quite a bit of confidence in in the India case because we've been on this journey now for five years, but we still need to build the confidence in the other businesses before we really invest significantly. All right, I think that helps us, uh, you know, to to make sense, um, you know, of that from that point of view, and especially because, like you said, highly highly regulated industry, but. Um, at the moment, when you see some of the trends, uh, the way that credit that uh, upcoming credit providers—I just call them upcoming—but you know, some outside of the established banks, the way that uh, people are scoring for risk and also assessing risk, uh, making use of data—it um, is, you know, it is proving, you know, to be a very uh, what you call this, uh, um, you know, quite a quite a new take on how people are doing things and you know for the most part it seems to be you know doing uh, a lot of positive uh, positive work especially you know when you look at goals around things like financial inclusion and the like uh but uh one of the other things we wanted to chat to you about before we you know do let you go um is uh something that's closer to home um in south africa because at the end of the day uh naspers and process it's still a a what you call this a south african group and um uh as the group you guys run the largest e-commerce platform you know in the country that's take a lot and a lot of noise has been uh, has been had over the last couple of weeks about the losses that are being incurred you know by take a lot should we be thinking about take a lot within the same context as where we began this conversation around um, the rest of the e-commerce portfolio or is there anything that's different about that particular business unit yes so um look to build these large businesses that serve large consumer needs you need to invest and indeed we've made significant investment in take a lot um and it's a business that is is competing with the best retailers in the world south african retailers are still the best in the world offline online you know um we have a very strong retail industry so um and and that's good it's good because it keeps us on our toes right in terms of making sure we deliver real value to consumers and in terms of finding a path to profitability right and um well and and they're doing very much what our other businesses are doing right so we have this core take a lot platform but we now also have mr d which is the food delivery business right we have superbless which is which is the fashion business and now we have this great new partnership with pick and pay where we're partnering with someone and helping them come come offline and we're 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 partnering with someone who knows grocery retail right and knows how to buy things how to stock things and how to get them into consumers hands so that that's a, an exciting opportunity and um what we're trying to do as well during this time is to absorb as much of the cost pressure that's on our business, right, ourselves, and not 
load the consumers too much, right? Um, now we can't fully absorb it because then then our business isn't viable. But what we try and do is we try to be very thoughtful and careful about our own cost management so that we can continue to deliver value to consumers in a um, um, in a very competitive market. And you know, the more competitors are going to come, and 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 the only way we succeed is if we deliver differential and differential experience to the consumer in a profitable way. And um and that requires a lot of focus and, and effort. But I think we need more businesses like Take A Lot in South Africa. And what I mean about it, I don't mean more global e-tail businesses or more of Google or more of Facebook. We need more South African-led, South African-built businesses, right? We, sh- we should learn from the lessons of Europe, right? Where we, we basically Europe outsourced their internet industry to, to the US players. We should be mindful of not doing that in South Africa. They should come and we sh- they should compete, of course, and we shouldn't, I'm not suggesting we should block international players, far from it, but they should compete on, on a level footing, right? They should pay their taxes, follow the local laws, um, pay their VAT, pay their income tax and all these things. But we should also create an ecosystem and it requires a combination of regulation capital and experience to deliver um locally built internet businesses right and that requires regulatory support and it requires helping companies like take a lot find you know that path to profitability and and helping other businesses because having a strong internet ecosystem i think is central to economic growth. No country can afford not to have a strong ecosystem around e-commerce, around the internet and so forth. And um, if you just leave it to, if you outsource it to the rest of the world, guess what's going to happen? The value is going to flow out. It's not going to flow in, right? So, um, We've multi-choice has created lots of value for for South Africans in South Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. I'm hoping Take a Lot can do, but we need more businesses like that, right? And um, it's good to see 660 doing well and building up something good, and that's good. And I and and there are other business models that have that have opportunity, and we're supporting them, of course, with our capital and our experience and our knowledge through things like Foundry, right? But um, I would encourage us to create an environment where people want to invest capital behind South African engineers, South African ideas that are built for the market and 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 also look to go outside of South Africa, right? We need more of those businesses. I remember the other day when we were engaging with you, I think you you made mention of uh, the term internet desert. 
And uh, yeah, when you were talking just now, just describing that outsourcing factor, I couldn't help but to remember that, uh, you know, that reference that it is important to have, you know, some of this infrastructure, um, you know, in the local market and having that capability um, having, you know, happening locally. And I guess to play um, on a level playing field with some of the global players, um, we can't escape, you know, the news that Amazon is coming next year, things like that. There does need to be that investment, um, you know, to be able to play on that uh, um, on that playing field. But uh, as we are rounding up the discussion, Basil, you know, it's been, um, you know, quite an interesting one, getting your thoughts uh, just around the group and obviously uh, a company the size um, of uh, Naspers and Process, you can't condense, you know, uh, such a conversation into 30 minutes to an hour. Um, We definitely need to get you back. But one of the things that we definitely wanted to get your thoughts on is simplification. Um, and this has tended to be, I think I've said it to you a couple of times before that there's a lot of complexity that comes with, uh, with, uh, with, the, with the group. And I think even in the investor community, uh, that tends to be the view to say that there's a lot of complexity. Uh, I was even watching something earlier this week. I think Bloomberg was engaging with, uh, with Bob and they even mentioned, you know, some of the, <laughs> that factor around complexity. So one of the things that you guys have committed to is simplifying, right? So could you talk to us around simplification? What does it, you know, what does it mean? I think earlier on in the discussion today, you were talking about, um, you know, looking at your portfolio of businesses, what works, what doesn't work. And, you know, for things that don't work, um, you know, you get rid of them. Is that part of the simplification that we're talking about? Is it an, an operational type of uh, simplification uh, you know, that we're talking about. Um, is it a structural, you know, type of thing, you know, where, you know, you guys sort of redo whatever the org chart is, um, you know, at the group. What are we talking about and how are you guys thinking around that? Thanks. So a couple of points. So the, I'll tell you what's not going to change. What's not going to change is we being South Africa's largest listed group. We're proudly South African. NASPAS is going to remain South African. Process is going to remain a subsidiary of NASPAS, right? And that that stays. Now, when we created Process, we needed to put quite a bit of our... Um, we needed to right-size NASPAS and process for the respective markets. And and in that journey, we've created a cross-holding. And you'll recall, Madhuwa, you covered the, the topic at the time. There was lots of pushback from shareholders. Why do we have to do this cross-holding? And, and unfortunately, there was no other way to do it. <laughs> yeah. If there was another way, we would have done it. And um, I know shareholders would like to see if we can find a way to fix that. I don't have any news for them on that front but that's possibly an area um that that we, we we might be able to do something around but um i don't have any any firm answers but i hear shareholders on it and 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 we need to keep trying to work on it and then i think i think the hardest thing for shareholders is that really getting to understand each of the business segments and 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 the underlying businesses and and they're doing that right through the engagement of the whole co right so i think the ability to list 
more businesses, right? And allow the market dialogue to be a more direct one because that's what happens with the listing, right? Like multi-trace now, people don't come to me and ask me about multi-trace. They go to Calvo and, and, and the team and ask them about multi-trace, right? And then they can understand that business better. And then you can make a choice, right? Well, um, I like, no, I want to own a bit of everything or no, I, I really like this particular part of the business and I want to invest more capital behind that, right? So I think um, listing more businesses and crystallizing value will also help in people's understanding of the various opportunities and how the market prices and so forth. And I think that is also a form of simplification. So in short, um, you're correct in terms of not getting involved in too many things such that it's just is undigestible, staying pretty close to our core, which is our five segments plus ventures, right? And then the, sec uh, the, the second aspect of that is trying bringing these businesses to profitability and cash generation and listing them all so that people can have a direct conversation, read in more detail what these businesses are about. That will help. And then third, yes, if we can do things on the structural side that 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 deal with some of of um, shareholders' feedback, we'll do that. Um, and the end state of that should be that NASPAS, over the as it's done um, over many years, continues to create significant value for South African investors, South African pension funds and um, continues to be a company that all South Africans can be proud of. And um, and, and that that is at the center of our ambition too. So that's been it. It has been, you know, quite a great discussion, um, you know, just around uh, what's going on with the NASPOS and Process. They are the largest uh, listed group in South Africa, getting some insight into how they're thinking around profitability. Um, we spent quite a bit of uh, time discussing our profitability in the e-commerce uh, portfolio, you know, just trying to get, um, you know, those businesses, Basil, uh, walking us through, you know, the various phases that uh, the company has gone through and right now you know past the you know uh, getting to a stage where Tencent became what it is um, getting you know shifting from being uh, a purely you know print and media company to being an internet company uh, the listing of multi-choice and now he says uh, the big task at hand is uh, making those businesses um, you know that they're pouring a lot of money and investment into um, you know getting to a scale to, to the level of scale um where they are able to then sustain themselves, run uh, on their own in terms of uh, some of those fist costs and just making sure that uh, they are profitable. And then also talking, you know, quite a bit around uh, some of the extensions such as credit, you know, what does it mean, you know, for their business and their profile going forward, uh, the type of challenges that introduces, uh, you know, to the group, uh, talking a little bit, uh, you know, taking things a little closer to home uh, to talk about e-commerce in South Africa and how they think thinking around that particular portfolio because a lot of the dynamics that are being seen um, in, the, in the wider group are still being seen, um, you know, in the take-a-lot group, um, you know, as it itself um, is uh, going down that investment journey and trying to achieve the scale uh, that it does need to play on a level playing field um, with some of the global players. And then um, ending off, you know, talking about what does simplification mean um, in the universe of uh, NASPERS and process, 
you know, is it about unlocking value uh, by, uh, you know, listing some of the businesses? Is it, you know, doing something, you know, when it comes to uh, the way that uh, the cross-holding structure is structured and uh, responding to some of that uh, investor and shareholder um, feedback that's been coming in? You know, is it, you know, uh, a matter of, uh, you know, maybe reorganizing how some of the businesses are? So really being great and, uh, you know, being enjoying uh, uh, just hearing, you know, how all of that um, has been happening. So for today, I would like to thank Basil. He uh, he is the CFO of uh, Naspers and Process. Basil, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your time and I always enjoy talking to you. All the best. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.